On this episode of Riff and Rock Music Talk, I verbally berate a half an hour album. Ryan praises Willie Nelson and his transcendental abilities, and oh yeah, the Avid Brothers are around. Check it out, Riff and Rock Music Talk. Yeah. So, Riff and Rock Music Talk episode two. We have made a sequel. Hopefully, this time the sequel will be better than the original. So, this is going to be hopefully the Empire Strikes Back to the A New Hope. But what about the first episode that never saw the light of day? That was kind of like uh, the Phantom Menace, and we hope we never have our own personal Phantom Menace. Okay. Yeah. I that's that. I, I, I agreed. <laughs> Yeah, so um, after the raging success that episode one was, we decided to go ahead and l- listen to three new albums. I think two of these came out in 2012, so somewhat relevant, and one came out in 2010, and that was one Ryan was adamant that we reviewed. It didn't come out in 2010, it came out in 2012. This Avid Brothers album? Yeah! It came out in 2010. Are you sure? Live volume three? Yes. Did you listen to the wrong thing? No, I just... <laughs> it was introduced to Indiana in 2012. Well, Indiana's a little bit behind the times. When we I first moved to Indiana, they were talking about how big Nirvana's going to be and when they blow up. Um, <laughs> they're going to be a little disappointed in a couple years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I guess since we're on the topic of the Avid Brothers, one of the albums we listened to was Live Volume 3 which is, a coincidentally, a live album by the folk group The Avid Brothers, um, a concert that took place in Charlotte, North Carolina, at the no-joke Bojangles Coliseum. Hell yeah! <laughs> on August 8, 2009. So, um, what did you, th- this was your idea, this is your harebrained scheme to listen to this. What was your motivation to listen to the Avid Brothers Live Volume 3? Well, my first exposure to the Avid Brothers was a concert they did on, um, what was it called? Austin City Limits. And it was beautiful, the way that they, like, switched instruments, like, between songs and, like, the way that they sang together and played it was it was like folky but you can tell that they had that they're just like all they did was listen to punk rock it was beautiful and so i thought that the uh that energy would transfer to uh like an audio version like without all the spectacle and oh. still be successful and was it did it meet your expectations then it definitely did i i love what they do they do it so well Let's let's preface this that folk music is generally not my uh, taste. It's not that I dislike it. It's just I don't find a lot of it that I particularly enjoy. Um, a lot of times I'm just kind of I'm like, okay, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, this time, you know, I will say that this isn't something again I would actively listen to, but I I get why these guys got so popular. And my understanding is that they're a pretty big band at this point. If they're playing at the Bojangles Coliseum, I mean, you know, <laughs> they gotta be big. <laughs> you know, ooh, the sponsor of the Bojangles Coliseum is Bojangles Famous Chicken and Biscuits. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, god damn it! <laughs> Fuck you, North Carolina. So I'm guessing on that North Carolina day, um, all 9,000 seats were filled up. I could definitely see the appeal, and like you said, these guys definitely listen to punk rock, or they had to have been a punk band or something at some point. Yeah, even. they started off as a punk rock band. Which is apparent by the one, again, I don't even know who was singing, but the one guy who's like, I mean, punk screams. Yeah. I was like, what in the world? He, I swore it was like some guy just showed up at the wrong concert. No, that's the older brother of the two brothers. 
He's he's uh love screaming. <laughs> it sounded like he had a he had swallowed a chainsaw with some of those screams. Yeah, but it was like so heartfelt sometimes. Yeah, and I did. I have to say that kind of what you said. I like that they the instruments were changing constantly. The one song would play. They'd have this collection of instruments, and then a different collection of instruments, and then a different collection of instruments. They were always changing it up. Yeah. So with, the band is composed of four people: uh, the two brothers who play drums, piano, banjo, guitar, whatever they need. Um, sometimes they play guitar and drums, or banjo and drums at the same time. Uh, it's really interesting how they do that. Um, then they have a bassist and a cellist who looks like he belongs in a metal band. He's got long <laughs> hair, he starts whipping it around while playing cello. It's beautiful to see. Um, but the bassist and the cellist, they they stick to their instruments while the, the two brothers just go crazy on whatever instruments they feel like playing. Okay. So yeah, and I have to also preface, I have not listened to any of their studio albums. I may have inadvertently listened to a studio song once, but I wouldn't know it. Their songs are, uh, I like their studio efforts. Um, They are pretty good, except for their most recent album, which was produced by Rick Rubin, who usually makes some really good swear words, sorry, fucking albums. Like, those six albums he did with uh, Johnny Cash, they're beautiful. You know what, I have to pause at this moment. I fucking hate Rick Rubin. He has some very specific ways he does albums, and I just don't like his style. Like, one of the things I've noticed is, like, he loves to have extra, like, vocal lines in the background, and it just always sounds goofy to me. He helped do the first Mars Volta album, and um, in the background you can hear a bunch of, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm like, what in the, why is this here? <laughs> or when he, he helped do, I think it was the last Rage Against Machine album, the cover, I mean, the cover album, which... Okay, we knew it wasn't off to a good start. In the background, there's a bunch of just, Oh, yeah! Oh, yes! I never noticed that before. You listen to it. like That's the thing with Rick Rubin is, if you listen to the, his albums once, a uh, Rick Rubin album once or twice, you go, okay, it's great. But then if you listen to those albums over and over again, they get ruined by these stupid little background details because the first time you don't catch it, it doesn't really register. But once you pick it, like this kind of kills the song. Just all these like, oh, yeah, come on, babies, in the background. Man, now I'm going to have to pay particular attention next time I listen to America 3. I'm sure there's a bunch of Johnny Cash going, Whoa. Oh, baby. Baby. Oh. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Rick was nice enough to not fuck with Johnny Cash, but... Uh, <laughs> you never know. Johnny will probably send people out to murder him, but... um. Well, he he definitely did it with Jay-Z. Now Rick that makes Rubin? a lot of sense. Yeah, because he did uh, whatever album had uh, 99 Problems on it. He was in the music video! They were just walking around! But it's on the Black Album. 99 Problems is Black Album. Yeah, he did the Black Album. And if you listen, it's he adds all these little cute details that the first time around you go, Ah, that's it's Rick Rubin! And after I went, he ruined this. <laughs> he's one of those producers that just can't stop fucking with what he's got. He's like, let's just, let's just do this too and add a little bit of this. Boy, was he wrong. I but, figure Rick Rubin did, uh, so you said he did the Avid Brothers, he did this last one? The the most recent album, I think it's called The Carpenter. Yes. Um, I am not a fan of that album at all, uh, because it it sounds like one big Target, like, soundtrack for a Target commercial. It's, probably, it's if you, probably if you listen to it, there's a bunch of, ah, yeah, kick it, what, in the background. Well, the Avid Brothers kind of do that already, but it, it works. It's kind of their thing. <laughs> Sometimes. However, Rolling Stone put it on their top 50 albums for 2012. The Carpenter? I was looking at it the other day. That list is so god-awful, it's not even funny. Then again... Was Bob Dylan's Tempest on there? I didn't see it, but they put like one of the Green Day albums on there, because Green Day, for some reason, released three albums in one year, and they went, that's a good idea. They certainly did. They went all Matrix on people and released <laughs> two things like two months apart from each other. <laughs> Um, their list was just goofy. They had another list that was like, it was best albums of 2000s. I think there were three Kings of Leon's albums on there. <laughs> An NSYNC celebrity, I bet. There was the one Justin Timberlake album on there, which I, I'll concede. Fine, whatever. Which one, uh, Future, or, which, I don't know. What's the name of it? Love Song, or whatever. Maybe. <laughs> that one album everybody likes. But yeah, that, the list was so 
bizarre. There was like a bunch of Kings of Leon. I think there was like 50 Snow Patrol and Arctic Monkeys albums because people can't get enough of that shit. I honestly have never listened to them, any of those bands. You probably have. Oh, God, I hope not. Or Interpol or any of those just like... Just I, I rock. Just stuff that goes great in a car commercial or a cell phone commercial or a target yeah. commercial. Or a Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah, exactly. Which is just one big commercial. Basically. Sorry, Rolling Stone. You sold out. But did you know Jimi Hendrix is the greatest guitarist of all time? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh. So is Kurt Cobain. He's number 87 on the list. Yeah, using a wah pedal and then... Shouting. Shouting. Grungy. That's a... That's remarkable. That that's list, unheard of. That list had Kurt Cobain and it didn't even have Adrian Blue. <laughs> that, I'm sorry, I'm Adrian Blue's animal noises far surpass any drug-induced nonsense Kurt Cobain ever produced. And this is the Thompson's Gazelle. <laughs> you have to hold the guitar under your armpit and do the Macarena at the same time, otherwise it doesn't come out properly. If you were to come up clean and see you shine so bright in this world of woe. And they will pay us all in vain, though that is not why we came. And if it compromises truth, then we will go. So this is a good album, though. <laughs> I, I admit that again, not my normal cup of tea, but I had I had to concede by the end of it that I was uh, I was enjoying it. Yeah, especially if you didn't have that punk element to it, I definitely would have not liked it. I would have went, this is just more folk music that seems to be kind of popular this day and age. But the little harder edge was definitely um, it was good. I think it's worth picking up. Yeah, I agree. I would. Um, the only other, the one complaint I would really have is the amount of pandering. It's funny enough, it's uh. It's not them so much as the audience is terrible. It's, oh, yeah. Well, it's North Carolina. Sorry, people from North Carolina, but people from you're rowdy. Carolina. But you cheer for everything. There's, like, one lyric where he says, like, I called my mom, and the audience just goes apeshit over it. They could have said, we just ordered from Subway. We're getting tuna melt. And the audience would have went nuts. Woo! Tuna melt! And American cheese. Yeah! Sorry, we got Swiss. Get the fuck out, you me bastard. <laughs> Yeah. I was just confused that they just went crazy over everything. Oh, on the safe side, Avid Brothers also pandered. They said um, some nice typical lines like, It's good to be back home. I don't know why we ever leave. This song's for you people. Uh, separate the races. No, they didn't say that one. Um, <laughs> they would have still probably got cheers. They were in North Carolina. That's true. <laughs> Even though they're a very civilized state, they uh, have some problems. They're still working on it. We... We're being patient, North Carolina. Yeah, we can wait. Should people pick up this album? Absolutely. Um, but it is a live album, so like you might not be as familiar with the songs as, say, the people in the audience. So there might be a little bit of disconnect, but aside from that, it's very great. Songs are pretty catchy. Yes. And guaranteed to have a good time. I liked Kick Drum Heart. As did I. You want to play them a sample? We will play Kick Drum Heart.
Yeah, that's a catchy song. Yeah, I like I like the part where with the the kick drum it goes boom 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 boom. I kind of forgot how few of the songs actually have drum parts. Not many. A couple in the beginning and then maybe one or two at the end, but most of the middle there's no uh, no drums at all. Which I'm okay with. It works. Yeah, only there are a couple ballads. Yes. Like the Ballad of Love and Hate and Murder in the City. Those but, are all the one brother. Like they, that's the one brother that sings those specifically. I don't remember which brother it is. Uh, well, they... Maybe it was Seth that sang those? No, uh, one did each. Oh. Yeah, they didn't both sing the both those songs. Okay. Yeah. The ballads are acceptable. Normally a ballad will make me cringe and run away. They were acceptable ballads. They're, they're tear jerkers, yes. in my opinion. Yeah, the ballad I, I cried once. especially... Yeah, especially when he gets all passionate in the middle of the song. He goes, I'm going to just repeat this part because I like it so much. And the audience goes crazy again. I think that's because he messed up. And the ocean was great. And I can't wait to see you again. Hate reads the letter and throws it away. Says... No one here going. I'm so happy right now, I can barely stand it. I'm just going to go one more time if y'all are okay with that. <laughs> At first I thought, oh no, it's going to turn to a fish concert. They're going to repeat the same thing for 50 minutes. <laughs> Sorry, fish. You play long songs. Sorry, fish. A song where you say David Bowie six times and then play a 20-minute piano solo does not constitute as a song to me. Well, not yet. No, but they did do a song like that. It's called David Bowie. They say David Bowie six times and then they jam for half an hour. Do you think they're trying to like summon him from like a mirror? Like, you know, in those junior high kind of superstitions where if you say Biggie Smalls in front of a mirror three times, he shows up and kills you. <laughs> Maybe you say David Bowie enough times, he'll show up and party with you. Only the Dave- thin, only Thin White Duke, though. The other David Bowies don't come out. Oh, not Ziggy? Not so Zig- a- Ziggy is much more difficult to channel. You actually have to sacrifice someone to get Ziggy to come out. Oh, it's thin White Duke. That's thin easy. Wh- yeah, yeah, true. Thin White Duke comes out on his own accord, as long as you have co- a bag of cocaine for him. Oh, and a yes. carton of milk. He needs both. Let's just be thankful that uh, the Berlin years uh, Bowie doesn't show up. <laughs> what a forgettable period of music history. Which is funny because Pitchfork Media dubbed it the best David Bowie era. Lowe was their number one album of the 70s. Oh my. Come on, Pitchfork. We love it, Pitchfork, like but seriously. Stone. What the hell? <laughs> If Rolling Stone is pandering to the to the, uh, to the popular vote, Pitchfork is just purposely doing the opposite just to appear um, controversial. Exactly, but pick up this album. Yeah, you better pick it up, people. Shakes hands with every loner he meets with a serious look on his face. Love arrives safely with suitcase in tow, carrying with her. A reason to live and a reason to grow, to trust and to hold and to care. Hate sits alone on the hood of his car. 
Without much regard to the moon or the stars Lazily killing the last of a jar Of the strongest stuff you can drink Love takes a taxi a young man drives As soon as he sees her Hope fills his eyes But tears follow after At the end of the ride Cause he might never see her again gets home lucky to still be alive he screams o'er the side walking into the drive the clock in the kitchen says 2.55 and the clock in the kitchen is slow So love has been waiting, patient and kind. Just wanting a phone call or some kind of sign. That the one that she cares for, who's out of his mind, will make it back safe to her arms. So hate stumbles forward and leans in the door. Weary head hung down, eyes to the floor. He says, love, I'm sorry. And she says, what for? I'm yours. And that's it, whatever. I should not have been gone for so long I'm yours and that's it forever See, you're mine and that's it forever uh, Speaking of things that sound like Wait. music Hang on, can we backtrack for a second? Yes Pick up the Avid Brothers album, Live Volume 3, not David Bowie's Low. Black Tie White Noise is a shitty album. Deal with it. Speaking of things that come from outer space, we also listened to um, Animal Collective Centipede Hurts. Oh my god, what, a, what an album. What a miraculous <laughs> piece of work. Oh, you don't know how much I enjoy just turning this on and being completely astounded. <laughs> In a great way. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I love this album. I was really confused that it didn't get more attention. Well, I mean, it's some all... other great albums came out the same week. You know, uh, Taylor Swift 
If I were to have a choice between recommending Centipede Hurts by Animal Collective and Taylor Swift's Red, I would offer Centipede Hurts just to kind of offer people a new experience. A new time signature. <laughs> it's just it's just two infinity symbols on top of each other. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, the first, the very first song sounds like uh, Bobcat Goldwaith screaming into a blender. You <laughs> 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 guys! <laughs> Admittingly, I am a fan of Animal Collective. Um, As am I. I personally prefer the, some of the earlier work where it was just bogus nonsense and like just transistor radios and shit that just sounded terrible. I liked it because to me it made more sense. Yeah. Because it was like, it's just goofy music. I'm like, it's goofy, I laugh, it's fun. When they Then they moved to, uh, I think it was called Strawberry Jam, and then the one after it, Merryweather Post, Post Pavilion, which is the most obnoxiously pretentious album name, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, they, it was pop music, and I didn't really personally like, there's some tracks in each album I like, but most of their pop stuff I'm not that big of a fan of. I feel the exact opposite way. Like, Mary, I, Meriwether just sounds like Fish. It's an album made, not like Fish the band, Fish just like the little guys underwater. It just sounds like <laughs> music for Fish, because everything sounds like it's played in an ocean, it was played underwater. Hello? <laughs> and then there's gloopy, drippy sounds. It's like, you know that, did you ever watch Metalocalypse? I have. Remember the episode where they record in the submarine? Oh yeah! That's what this- that's that album. Meriwether was recorded in a fucking submarine for the whales. Oh man. Alex, I have to admit, I do like that album. And Strawberry Jam. For one reason and one reason alone. They sound like the futuristic Beach Boys. It- it's- it's great. Like, the first time I heard, like, the Beach Boys making crazy techno music now? Interesting, Brian. <laughs> Interesting move, Brian Wilson. <laughs> If, if the, all the Beach Boys were alive and taught how to operate sequencers and whatever goofy instruments they use, I think, yeah, it would sound like this. It would sound like those Animal Collective albums. The Beach Boys are alive. and There's and a couple of dead ones, aren't there? There's one dead one, but, I mean, he played the maracas, so... Uh, no one cares. He wasn't really that <laughs> He was necessary. like the Ringo of the Beach Boys. That's true. He, he pretty much was. Brian Wilson was the John Lennon and Yoko Ono all at the same time. And he was also the Paul McCartney. Yeah. He, and he the George was, Harrison. <laughs> well, he wrote all the music, so it doesn't matter. And when he left, they made Kokomo, and that was it. Was Kokomo post-Brian Wilson? It was post-Brian Wilson. Makes yeah. sense. That song is weak. Hey, that song is pretty good when there's Muppets involved, but... <laughs> yeah, other than that, it is weak. Yeah, this album was awesome. It was just goofy nonsense. But it was... It was a little reined in. The songs had some structure. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, uh, the one I'd say I liked the most was Monkey Riches. It, to me, it just, it sounded like a factory going crazy. Yeah, that, that song was ridiculous. It was just all the whirs and buzzes and clicks. I'm like, it's just all the machines in a in a GM factory all going at once. 
like they threw a monkey wrench into the song called Monkey Riches. Yes. And then it, it, it broke the song. <laughs> I read in an interview that this is sort of a concept album. The concept being, what do aliens pick up when they try to pick up radio transmissions from Earth? And like, that's what we thought. It's like, what would the aliens think of it? And um, that's the that's the concept. Oh, the, if there was one concept album that I would pay Willie Nelson to record, <laughs> it would it would be that exact same concept. You'd rather Willie Nelson do this album versus Animal Collective doing this album. I want to hear Willie Nelson on the Animal Collective album messing shit up. I. <laughs> I don't know how much more messed up this could get. It was just so all over the place. It it really was, but I feel like it was definitely missing some of that redheaded stranger uh, talent. <laughs> so the oh, the thing that can improve this album was the inclusion of Willie Nelson. Yes, Willie Nelson. There we go. The first time I listened to this album, I it ended and I kind of had this pause and I went, "What just happened?" I was on the drive home. It, this album ended basically as I pulled into my garage, turned the car off, and like, and that, literally, that was my reaction. I paused and went, "What? What was that?" <laughs> but I like that. I like an album where you finish it, and you go, "What in the world just happened to my ears?" And there's just so much stuff happening, and it's just like it's such a sensory overload. And there's so much that you have to listen to it again. And yeah, that's how they get your money. I think that's good. I think it's good when you have to re- listen to something a couple times to uh, to get it. It's also nice because every time I listen to it, I heard something new. There was some new goofiness that came out, some new freaky sequences, and some Rick Rubin shit that he just threw into the background. It's kind of like they were channeling Rick Rubin with some of that background stuff that was happening. Good job, Animal Collective. Now you're like Rick Rubin. Congratulations. I want their next album to be a concept album of what it's like to work with Rick Rubin, but not actually working with Rick Rubin. So they're just going to be like the Flaming Lips and take your microphone and hit it against a a carpet for 80 minutes? Or six hours when they want to be really artistic. Oh, yeah. By the way, have you had a chance to listen to their uh, King Crimson cover album? I have not. So fucking terrible. I don't want to listen to it. Can I plug that for a second? Can I just shove a mini review in here? Uh, yeah. Uh, Flaming Lips covered In the Court of the Crimson King. They did a full cover album like they did Dark Side of the Moon, which was probably the laziest cover album I ever heard in my life. Um, but this one, here, I'm going to recreate it for you. Just take like the shittiest blown out speakers you have and put them underwater and then play uh, In the Court of the Crimson King. And... Um, that's that's what that's what it sounds like. It just sounds like distorted underwater King Crimson. That is a very 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 bad idea. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather hear Kanye do a cover of every song of in the uh, in the court of the Crimson King than the Flaming Lips make any more of their weird artsy music. Like, before they got popular, that awful, nasty, grungy, weird Oklahoma music, that was beautiful. But now, like, Embryonic and this, Every these embryonic. two cover albums, awful. Every song in Embryonic sounds exactly the same. Yeah, it really does. Every, it's blown out drums, uh, the same wah-wah effect on the, on the lyrics. And it then just, the whispering. Yes, it's terrible. This, however, just sounds like... You know, you have five radios at once playing, and you just keep twisting the knobs on all of them. Oh, like that uh, that experiment that Wayne Coyne, or whatever his name is, from the Flaming Lips did with, like, what was it, 120-some cars? Yep. They all turned on the radios all at once? That's not an experiment. That's just uh, exercise and annoying the shit out of people. Yeah, he did it, though. <laughs> well, he had a one album, which was, uh, it's one album, but there's four versions of it. Oh yes, it's called Zyrica. Zyrica. And so you're supposed to have four different audio systems, because you know that's logical, because people have four stereo setups in their homes at once, and you're supposed to play all four. But the, the wonder and wackiness of it is you're never going to truly sync them up, so it's going to sound terrible. Yep, that's that hard. and I, uh, I really did sync them up once, I tried, and the songs were, they were, they weren't worth it at all. Sorry, guys. 
your artsiness didn't really pay off. I'm gonna start a list here, Ryan. This is my musical Dunzo list. Oh no, not the Dunzo list. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna steal something from the great Tom Haverford's Dunzo list. And um, I think I'm gonna put Flaming Lips. I'm gonna put the Flaming Lips on my Dunzo list. Can you put Air Supply on that list as well? I've never heard of Air Supply. They did such memorable songs as All Out of Love. I haven't heard that. Should I sing it to you? No. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. I don't know how you me so long. Wasn't it Air Supply? Yeah. Air you think Supply. they would be saved by Willie Nelson? Uh, no, but they would be saved by Animal Collective. Yes! <laughs> Collective covered that song. My God! Yeah, that'd be great. I say you should buy this album. Yeah, you should definitely buy this. Wait, what album are we talking about? Animal Centipede Hurts. Oh yeah! Everyone that listens to us, all of you should purchase Centipede Hurts. I will put a an, uh, an asterisk. Unless you don't like bogus crazy music. If you can handle a little bit of nuttiness, then you should pick it up. Because it's it's challenging, but if you can accept it, I think actually song structure, everything all together, it's really entertaining and really catchy. A lot of cool stuff. First time in a while they've actually had a drum kit in the album. But the drums are, like the drum kit's like some really weird concoction of like a shaker instead of cymbals and bongos and just all sorts of weird instruments instead of a traditional drum kit some reason that makes it even better i never noticed there is a video online or a couple videos online of their live performances um there's a pro recording from last year i think 2011 from pitchfork music festival where they play they play monkey riches actually they play then they play in uh brother sport from the album before it and they show the drum kit and it's just totally crazy though the bass drum is like 50 feet wide for some reason. The biggest bass drum I've ever seen. Check it out, people. Should. that sound distorted final album ryan and i listened to was the extremely popular well-celebrated japan droids celebration rock Which 
features two people playing two instruments. Um, it is 35 minutes long. And if you ask me, it sounds like a iPhone in a blender. It's kind of like a heavier Black Keys, because, you know, the Black Keys is two people making music. Yes. This is, this is like their rowdy cousin. Rowdy cousin Black Keys, and is much worse. Yeah, it's like, it's nothing but like... Actually, the album starts off with a, like, I think it's fireworks, it sounds like. Yes. And then the sound just kind of carries until the end of the album. This album drove me nuts. And I, we were, Ryan and I were having a conversation before, just kind of relaying what we thought, and I, I couldn't stand this album on just so many levels. Not to start off with the fireworks, they, they didn't steal it, but there was an album that came out a couple years ago uh, by a band called Bang Island, and the album is awesome. The music is sort of like the musical equivalent of people giving each other high fives. It's just super awesome, positive music, and it starts with fireworks. And this album, it, well, it starts ends with fireworks. This album starts and ends with fireworks. It tries to do the same thing, but it's so ungodly frustrating. I, on the other hand, didn't really mind it. I thought it was just a, a like, a heavy adult alternative rock album. Can I go on a tirade as to why I didn't like this? Oh, please, by all means. Okay. This is sort of a deeper topic, which please feel free to add your two cents to. There are trends in music, right? Yeah. Such as in the early 2000s, every band for some reason had a tambourine. I don't know why, but they all had tambourines. Um, we are now in an era where lo-fi is sort of the new hot thing to do. To explain, instead of spending a lot of time having a very high-quality sounding album where everything sticks out and everything's really nice and crisp and clean, it's sort of a new trend to have a sound that kind of sounds like like it's coming from like an old tape player. It's a little rough around the edges. Stuff isn't mixed and balanced as well. The general term is lo-fi. Lo-fi works sometimes. Lo-fi works when an album benefits from the rougher sound. Punk albums generally benefit from a lo-fi sound. Really experimental nonsense music benefits from lo-fi sound. A lot of black metal or like the really darkest and broodiest and evilest of metals you generally have a lo-fi sound. It helps bring up the grittiness that the album is trying to convey. This album also is lo-fi. And my understanding, or how I perceived it was, it's lo-fi because it kind of makes that ruckusy, rowdy, fist-pumpy, feel-good time even more, it makes it more raw. And again, I want to, I understand that generally lo-fi is done as the artist's discretion of, you know, we want it to sound this way. Okay, I get it. But, I have an issue where it doesn't seem like the lo-fi is benefiting at all, it just makes the album sound like a total mess. And there's certain songs in this album where I could not discern anything going on. It was just... Like when I said iPhone in a blender, I meant it. It's like, you know, your, you have your iPhone speaker playing a song off YouTube and you just shove it in a blender turn it on. It just sounds like a total whir of noise. And occasionally I pick up something, but I couldn't tell what it was. The singer just says whoa, 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 a whole lot. The guitar sounds, I swear, like it's playing two notes. Every drum beat is boots, 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 boots. It's all then muddled together because nothing was mastered or produced really well. It's just blob of noise to me. You also understand that I listen to total bogus nonsense music, like throbbing gristle and stuff that just sounds like pots and pans and children thrown downstairs. We just reviewed an Animal Collective album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And yeah, even then, I'm like, it drove me nuts the entire time. To kind of cap off this whole thought, usually with an album, there's sort of like three bands of sounds. There's a high, a mid, and a low. Usually the high, a lot of times, is like sort of maybe the guitar, cymbals. Mid is vocals. Low is bass and other parts of the drum kit. Lower toms, bass drums, whatever. There was no low range. None whatsoever. I understand there's no basses. That's fine. But even the drums, like the bass drum, the, the floor toms, were mixed very high, so there was no bottom end carrying the sound. So it was just a whole bunch of high whirring sounds. That's a really good point. <laughs> I I know I sound like I'm just ranting crazily over an album that's 35 minutes long, but for some reason it just 
it was that and the addition of how much positive press it got, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Because I've heard many other albums that kind of, to me, conveyed the same ideas, but did a much better album get overlooked. Huh. You know, I never actually thought about the uh, press that it got. It was really widely praised. Yeah, and ex- except for like one review, it was getting eights and nines and fours and five stars. And that's to me, that's a little absurd. It like it was a, I I I like the album. It was it was pretty catchy. It was like I'm gonna have a fun time listening to this. Um, it reminded me of like a Sonic Youth a little bit, like on their heavier songs. Um, but like I I don't understand why it was so widely praised like this is no um what's a popular album that came out this year no just any popular album this is no um i don't know led zeppelin 4 no that's a popular album out of all their albums i've tried to kind of do the positive all right things are great kind of thing even though some of the lyrics didn't indicate you know everything's wonderful it just i've heard a lot better stuff (laughs) i put this in the same category as like your hold steadies and your Bruce Springsteen's or whatever, it's just kind of like, yeah, great, awesome, totally. But that's... Gotta wear overalls and <laughs> drink out of my garage with all my friends. Yes. And then we're gonna go party. Whee! We're gonna leave this garage party and go to another garage. Next door. And then after that garage, we're gonna go to another one. And then it's time for lunch. And lunch is a very, very important part of the day. Yes. Because without lunch, you can't have dinner. I had a hard time even still trying to figure out why this rubbed me such the wrong way, but it just did. It's because you don't party enough, man. Apparently. No, I don't. I really don't think that is the answer. Because you party a lot. In fact, I think I should go on the record and say you need to you need to slow down a little bit. <laughs> is this an intervention? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, sorry. Oh yeah. So let's let's actually provide our listeners with a sample of a Japan Droid song. I'm gonna play the house that Heaven built because that was the big single out of it. Oh yeah, that that's the one. I'm, I was listening to it and I thought to myself, I think I've heard this song before, and not earlier on the album, but like somewhere else, probably at a Walmart huh. or in an Urban Outfitters. But yeah, let's play it. All Three, right. two, one, go. Okay, so that was the house that heaven built. And um Yeah, it was it, it's a catchy song. This is definitely the catchy song on the album. Yeah, it's like one of those where you can like sit on the hood of your car and look at the stars and and then get mad because they're so far away and you can't go there and and you know, take all their the rubies. It's a Sort of a blue-collar rock punk song that's going to be listened to by privileged suburban white kids. Yeah. And they're going to try and relate to it, going, Yeah, my mom took my iPhone. You tell them all to go to hell. 
Life's not fair. I got I'm like a Lamborghini. Ugh. They gave me a 97 Corolla for my 16th birthday. That's bullshit. <laughs> I'm gonna blast I- Japan droids. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Japan droids. That's the kind of music you just made. That's that's their audience. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You go. I was asking a a friend of mine. She was in the car with me, and I asked her uh, to listen to this album because I knew we were reviewing it, and I was just kind of uh, hard pressed about the praise it got. I went, "Can you just kind of give me a critical opinion?" And she paused and went, "Why are the lyrics to every song whoa?" <laughs> 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 that was uh, Lori's brilliant ten-second review. Was why are the lyrics always whoa? She doesn't understand the music, man. Well, the music I, of time. I tried to explain that to her. She goes, "No, it just sounds stupid. I can't handle this." It it does it does uh, uh uh it's a very simple very very simple songs. I think if you accepted it that it was just, it's simple it's supposed to be kind of mindless. I would just kind of go okay fine I I concede to it. But that's just from what I've read and what I've looked at that's just not the kind of press it's gotten. Sort of an opinion of this is something very highbrow not highbrow but just like this brand new frontier that has never been breached before. It's like if Sonic Youth had ungrateful teenage kids, that's the kind of music they would play. So if angsty teenagers had angsty teenager, angstier teenager kids? Yeah, with iPads and, you know, nicotine-free cigarettes or whatever it is those kids <laughs> smoke. <laughs> those e-cigarettes. I'm going to smoke my nicotine-free cigarette. I want the lung cancer without all the calming effects. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. I'm like a cowboy. <laughs> I take a taxi to school, or whatever it is fancy people take to school. I assume it's a taxi. Could be a limo. Could be. The people who listen to this uh, album, they probably take a limo. The prom, at least. And they're like, we're going to listen to Japan Droids in the prom limo. Japan Droids and the Black Eyed Peas. I'm going to wear my pink ruffled shirt to look ironic. Enough making fun of Japan Droids fans. Uh, we support you guys. Uh, we want you to get better. The music you listen to isn't that bad, considering all the alternatives that are out there right yeah. now that are popular. Um, for instance, just to name a few, uh, Justin Bieber, Skrylix. Um, Did you know? Um, speaking of Skrylix, I think I think it's a long eye. Skry Skry Skrylix. Yeah, Scry Leaks, I think that's pretty accurate. Spin, they also did a top 100 guitarist of all time. And um, guess who they put it as their number 100th guitarist? Who? Uh, Skrylix. Gu- guitarist? Yeah, they said, um, we know he doesn't play guitar, but this that one song that's really popular, it's so good that he means he's a good guitarist or something. So he sampled somebody else and is now a great guitarist. I think it's because he sampled a great guitarist, he's therefore a great guitarist. <laughs> okay, Spoon Magazine, whatever you say. <laughs> Their list at least had uh, Adrian Ballou on it. So, at that point, I'm like, which one has more validity? God, the one I that puts like... Thurston Moore as the greatest guitarist of all time and Skrillex as the number 100th guitarist of all time? Or Who the hell's one... Thurston Moore? He's from Sonic Youth. Really? The guy that plays power chords? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Come on, Spin Magazine. We like you, Spin Magazine, but seriously. <laughs> what, the, what the hell? <laughs> God, everybody's getting an intervention today. Everybody's getting an intervention. This, this episode is uh, the intervention episode. Jesus. Well, what do you think? Do you think people should buy this album? Do you think they should download it? Do you think they should pirate it? Or do you think they should just not listen to it ever? That's a hard call for me. I have to say that most of what I said was definitely personal bias in my own goofy way. Um, go to your local library, see if they have it, and you should check it out. And uh, give it a listen, maybe add it to your computer collection of songs on your computer. 
and uh, if you like it, then you should buy it. But I would not say go out and buy it right away, because I want to believe there are going to be people like me who are off-put by certain things on this album. Like it sounding like a beehive in a blender. (laughs) So would you recommend this Celebration Rock? Would you celebrate to Celebration Rock? Uh, For... For our listeners that are more into like poppy, uh, positive music, yes, I would recommend it. To some of our darker, eviler, heavier listeners, I would not recommend it at all. If your parents gave you a 1997 Toyota Corolla for your 16th birthday, this is an album to have. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> if if you like watching planes land, this is an album for you. But if you are a normal person, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really. Uh, if you have an American Apparel credit card, this is a album for you. Oh, by all means, yes, please buy it. Purchase two copies, and then mail one to Alex because he <laughs> should own at least two copies of this CD. So they're not going to own either one of them. They're going to send both. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So if Adrian Ballou was supposed to be on your top 100 list of guitarists, um, where would he belong? I don't know, in the 30s maybe. He's the 30s? Who would be your number one? Number one? That would have to be... Oh, man. The guy who was originally in Limp Biscuit, you know, that would wear, like, the glow-in-the-dark paint and look really weird. I would pick... I think that's a perfect decision. I would pick Little Wayne. Oh, the skateboarder? Yeah, uh, he used to have a... You might remember, he had, like, one or two albums. They were pretty underground. I think no it was way. Just, I think it was just to support his skating career. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, there's a great video online. He apparently was on a Saturday Night Live, and he had a guitar solo over his uh, underground hit Lollipop. And um, Did he really play guitar? He, he really did play guitar. Wow. How was it? Sounds like... I like don't a, know. Like a second grader playing guitar Sounds for the like... first time. <laughs> Just strumming. It's like the noise of when you accidentally drop a guitar. Oh, so he dropped it. Well, he didn't drop it. Oh. Somehow he simulated the sound of dropping it by actually playing notes. You know, by uh, Rolling Stone and Spin Magazine standards, I'm surprised he didn't get number one. You know, if Skrillex, if uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Johansson can get number 100. Screelix? Is that it? I think it's Scar from The Lion King. Oh, yeah, Scar. He was the 100th best guitarist. Be prepared. Join us next time when we discuss our favorite remixes of Lion King songs. Mine is Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Mine is I Just Can't Wait to Be Chingy. God damn it. In conclusion, what, what did we have to say about Live Volume 3 by the Avid Brothers? Overall, I liked it. I thought it really embodied their their entire uh, artistry. Folk music with a nice little dash of punk to spike the punch bowl. Yeah. Animal Collective Centipede Hurts. Beautiful. A clusterfuck of noise and happy and a little bit of Beach Boys. A cacophony of sonic frequencies that for some reason put a smile on my face. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I can't explain why. Because <laughs> it's nonsense. <laughs> and Japan Droid Celebration Rock. Uh, sonic Youth that gets paid too much. 
the Sonic Youth to Sonic Youth, aka Beehive in a Blender iPhone, aka Generation M, Generation M. 